This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello and welcome to DNI Spy. I'm Dr. Julie Humphreys. And I'm Natasha Whitehurst. As you know by now, here at DNI Spy, we like to uncover what's really going on in the world of diversity and inclusion. And in today's episode, we are exploring online harm against women working in journalism and the media. And we're joined by Alison Phillips, the first female editor in chief of The Mirror in over 100 years. Alison is also chair of Women in Journalism, which is the UK's leading networking, training, and campaigning organisation for journalists. Welcome, Alison. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. So we're going to get straight into it. You've recently led a research project between Reach, which is the UK's largest news publisher and also owner of The Mirror, and Women in Journalism to look at online harm against women who actually work in journalism and media. Can you tell us why that was important and a little bit about it, please? Uh, yes, of course. Um, so I've been uh, the chair of Women in Journalism um, for two years now, um, and there's all sorts of obstacles still, I think, um, that women face in their careers. But what had become a concern to me in, in more recent months was the, um, the volume of online abuse and the viciousness of that online abuse that so many women journalists are facing. And it started to occur to me that actually that's perhaps one of the, the greatest obstacles at the moment for women's uh, careers. Um, and it was something that we were very um, aware of on the mirror and on our regional titles, um, because as you may know, Reach um, own titles, Liverpool Echo, and uh, Chronicle, Leeds Live, up and down the country. And this was an issue that we were hearing about again and again and again. And I think, um, yes, women are a, a huge target. And there's also a massive um, intersectionality issue here. Um, women and also journalists of colour generally and um, people with disabilities as well are without doubt at the top of the list of people who are really coming under attack online. And the results of this, I my gut feeling was, is that it was A, making people want to leave the industry or if another job came up which sort of seemed just as good, oh yeah, you know, maybe this isn't for me, you know. It was another reason to turn people off from being a journalist. And the other um, real concern is that it was making uh, women and other journalists nervous about putting their content out into a public space because for fear of, of coming under attack. And so that's essentially an attempt to silence journalists. And I think we all have a responsibility to ensure that journalists can do their job and that they can be heard. I think that's a really good point. And I think definitely around, I, I, I think you can see it online, that nervousness, even with people just tweeting and what they share in terms of their socials like you definitely see and feel that I think yeah. um right now when you look on social platforms but in terms of the research um it's been released for International Women's Day um made public and over 400 people have taken part um what are the key findings and any surprises well unfortunately um 
there, there weren't any huge surprises in that it did confirm a lot of our concerns, which is that um, more than half of those who um, responded said that they'd had threats made about them online or pylons or personal comments and hate speech. Um, and I think the thing that really worried me as well is that a fifth of people have said they've considered giving up journalism um, as a result of it and leaving the media industry and half had said that they were promoting their work online less. So it, it, what's great about this, well, it's, I mean, it's an awful situation, but what's great about it is it's given us the data, the information, which backed up what until this point had been a gut feeling. And I think what it now enables us to do is to go to the industry generally and say, okay, these are facts. This is what 400 women journalists have said across the UK. What are we going to do about it? Because it's not acceptable that we are having women journalists being silenced. And particularly at a time where this industry is crying out for greater diversity and we know that it, it's those people from diverse backgrounds who are getting most of the most of this online hate so it's got to be I think a number one priority and I'm not saying it's an easy thing to fix I think it's really difficult but this whole issue has been spoken about for many years now it's time for action it's time for for an industry to use its influence and its power to make things better for its own people were you surprised when a quarter of the participants said that they'd experienced some kind of sexual harassment or sexual violence? Tragically, no, because I think we all know that when um, people want to silence women, quite often they will resort to threats of sexual violence to do that. It's just, It's been there since time began. It's a really... Um, I guess easy method and it because it's terrifying for the victim and it's it's we always know that threats to sexual violence is always about power that's what it is and what what all of this is about is people trying to use power to silence women journalists and to silence the stories that they're trying to tell as well so it's not just about silencing the journalists it's about what is it about that they're reporting that they're doing that other people don't want don't want to be heard and that's where you know it's incredibly sort of sinister situation and I think the social media platforms have huge responsibilities in this area which they're not necessarily stepping up um, to meet um, in that I think if you look at the the wide scale impact on a democracy when certain people are prevented from telling the truth it's a really chilling effect. Yeah, because, I mean, we'll talk about the gender balance in, in journalism in a little while, but already if there isn't a fair gender balance and then there are women who are in the the, the industry already who, who are sort of withdrawing the, mm. either completely from the industry or self-censoring, I suppose, on socials or whatever. It's really bad. And, and particularly at a time when in our industry there is more and more pressure than ever than before for journalists to become... Uh, to promote their work on social and to be not necessarily personalities, although a lot of journalists now are having to become personalities or choosing mm. to become personalities um, because the way that the way that social media is changing the industry. So, and particularly the use of video as a means of storytelling yeah. it's exploded over the last couple of uh, years. And that means, you know, people have got to feel comfortable to go in front of camera. And we know that there are women and there are women who've completed this survey who said they don't want to put themselves in front of camera because every time they do, they just get these vile, horrible um, things said about them. And so what the effect of that is, is that you only get a certain type of person who feels confident going in front of a camera and telling the story and telling the story that they feel needs, those stories that they feel need to be told. So actually at a time when we should be searching for greater diversity in the industry, 
it feels that this is a problem is actually narrowing the field and so you, you talk about the social platforms and the kind of idea that the video content perhaps is leading to kind of more of this kind of um hate um and violence and harm um is there kind of a particular place where the majority of threats are being made or is it kind of a lot of it it's a it's a gloss it's across most platforms i mean we've you know during the survey it's also flagged up people getting um individual emails to themselves um and you know some of this stuff's always gone on when newspapers used to get letters from the readers (laughs) you used to get vile letters in every now and again but it's just the it's just the volume that I think you get in the in the world on social and the speed with which something can flare up mm. in that you know something gets shared and so the, the, the speed I think with which somebody can suddenly find themselves deluged by this kind of vile nastiness and so we're really fortunate at um, Reach because we became the first news organisation in the country to appoint an, an online safety editor, um, Dr. Rebecca Whittington, who I believe you're speaking to later, who's been absolutely amazing in this field and really helped us on this research. And I think that was an amazing um, step by Reach to take because it showed that we actually want to protect our staff in the same way that, you know, we would have health and safety people protecting them if they were going on a dangerous job to Ukraine or wherever. Um, and I think there is now real pressure on all major news organisations to make sure that they've got somebody in that kind of role. Because there's lots of things, I mean, there's lots of practical things that she will do if somebody's coming under a pylon or, you know, so she can offer support to the individual, but also there's sort of tactics for dealing with it. So there's there's practical support and there's also the kind of bigger piece around trying to make sure as an industry we're united in coming up with some means of, of fending this off. Is there a problem though with those platforms that um, they allow anonymity? I'll say that. Yes, I mean there is. Um, and I mean, you know, we've got the online house bill which has been going through Parliament at the moment and... That seems like it's been going yeah, forever. Forever. <laughs> forever. And it's a really, really... It is a very tricky bit of legislation because they're trying to find this line which kind of protects free speech. Um, it's going to come out, I think, probably protecting children. But I think as far as women and journalists and people of colour and, and people with disabilities... I, I don't think it's going to particularly help them in any way because I think they've danced around trying to find trying to find this line and I it, it it's just very it's very different you know from the world in which I kind of grew up working in if that I was to write in print or on digital um, any of the things that uh, somebody can put on social I would immediately fall foul of Ipso and all the other regulatory and um, and I would lose my job. Um, whereas now you've just got people just doing the most hideous stuff day in, day out. And there's the platforms are just sort of still holding their hands up. So that means presumably that it's down to the industry to try and solve the problem. Yeah, I mean, the worry is that a lot of what the industry, I think, can do is to put in better support for staff who, when this happens to them, but in a way that's kind of treating the Mm. symptoms rather than curing the problem Mm. but the problem at the moment does seem to be so enormous and the platforms will say oh we'll take stuff down and and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't and by the time it's happened the the trauma has been for that individual as well um i think as a society i mean this probably sounds a bit of a pipe dream we've got to get to a place where 
culturally this is deemed to be more unacceptable than it currently is because the the volume of, of how much this is going on just seems strange that there's that volume of hate out there I think the problem is it's so easy like it's so easy to do it isn't it like people like you say they're anonymous it's you've we all we're all sat here we've got a device whether it's on our knee in front of us wherever it is like it's so easy for them to do it and like you say in print you'd have to send you know send a letter well Mm. that's you know people do it in a moment but but I think there's perhaps still more research got to be done into who are the people that are sending this stuff Um, I mean, there's loads of really interesting stuff about, you know, some of it, how much of it is even being created by real people? Is it Mm. like bot farms and and the way the algorithms work that they um, promote sometimes more hateful content than sort of the nice but dull content that doesn't really kind of get, (laughs) that doesn't hit the same numbers of targets. So there are all issues around the algorithms. But I think, you know, there's, everybody talks about it, I think, but perhaps we need to think more about media literacy in schools. I think they already do do quite a lot of work telling children, you know, don't put anything on there that you wouldn't want to say to somebody's face. But but still, the problem persists. It feels like there needs to be like a collaborative approach um, with, with the platforms, with the industry, with schools, with, with universities, you mm. know. It feels like that it's not a sort of one solution issue that you've got we've got to come together i think so and i think it's a it it is i don't really believe that the platforms want to have this kind of content on their sites because it's terrible publicity for them because endlessly you hear people complaining about the social media platforms and um but then i do also sometimes think you know the 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 amount of money that they're earning Mm. they've got enough money to be able to fix any problem and why hasn't more been done before now but there's been some terrible tragedies isn't there there's been people many people have taken their own lives as a result of it and yet it still persists so I'm not quite sure it's not become a greater priority so so where do you hope to see um this research uh what hope for, for an outcome so today um on international women's day um we're going to have a group of women discussing it um women who have um been victims of online abuse people who are sort of experts in this field and What we would now want to do is sort of make this the first day of a national campaign across the industry where we ask different media organisations to sign up to a pledge, which is a commitment to put in place greater support for um, journalists who come under attack and also to sort of work um, collaboratively to try and find longer term solutions to, to this problem because... I don't think major news organisations, I just said, they wouldn't send their reporters out on foreign jobs if they didn't think they were safe. Therefore, it is no longer acceptable for them to have them sitting in offices if they are not safe. So so I think that's a big step because we've got to remember, you know, the established news organisations and, and freelancers in this country, we are quite hmm. um, influential and powerful. And I think so, we know that when it's about changing things for other people but sometimes we forget how much we could use that influence to make things better for ourselves and I think now's the opportunity to do that so I guess then if we don't fix it and we don't kind of get behind this and obviously today is a great point for people to do that but we're seeing you know women are leaving or considering leaving the industry what what are the kind of potential future ramifications that you see if we kind of get to that point of actually we lose more more women from the workforce what are the ramifications for me on this um issue there was two sort of moments that really made me stop and one was when i heard that um 
a woman from our, one of our um, reach titles had asked not to have her byline on stories because of the abuse that she was getting because wow. of her, because her surname um was just 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 seeing her surname was obviously driving lots of people into sort of racist abuse um and then the other um was the other moment was when i had a message from one of um our football writers who probably um was the last person i would have thought would have you know sort of roughy tufty bloke um you know um long-term journalist white middle-aged middle class you know um and he told me in quite some detail how he had been made to feel by these pylons that he'd had to and of course you know we know that football seems to be able to engender the most kind of mm. extreme emotions in some people and how it had had an impact on him and and on his mental health and um and they were the two moments where I sort of really felt as an organisation we need to at reach we had to have something in place um to help people because I think the first step was to accept we're not going to be able to fix this but just because you can't fix something doesn't mean to say you shouldn't try and uh, make it better and so I kind of think that if those kind of those two stories made me really wake up to it because I had never really, I'm, I'm not a great social media user. And p part of me on a subconscious level thinks I've maybe always done that to protect myself because I've never been um, overly keen about putting myself out there mm. in a public place in, in all sorts of different ways. And so I kind of think that if by sort of always being one step back, you do sort of protect yourself. And, um, and I think with me, it was more subconscious but I think women in the industry now are having to be more conscious about do they want to put themselves out there or don't they? And lots of them, like that woman who didn't want her byline used, are taking a step back. And that is not good for their careers because you, you need to be out. You need to be out there now because it's it's the whole world is being operated really on social now. And and we can't have people it's you know talented people who've got so much to give and so many stories to tell and so many diverse viewpoints feeling that they can't do that speaking of careers you are in an elite group um as an editor in chief who is also female um so do you feel any pressure to pay that forward for other other women um or do you have any advice for women as you say it's different now possibly yeah i mean it's the UK's in a really good situation at the moment in terms of women editors at the top. You know, you've got the FT, you've got the Mirror, you've got the Sun, you had the Sunday Times up until quite recently, you've got the Guardian, you've got, um, there's you know, there's a lot of, of women editors. I still think there is um, a shortage of women in those senior roles, one or two rungs below. I absolutely feel we all have a responsibility to pay things forward and there's absolutely no point in achieving something if you haven't made the place better for the people that come next um that's often harder than it appears because you know you can because you've got to change the culture um to actually make sort of lasting change and there's lots of things that go into a culture stuff that comes in from above and in from the sides and um and but i think you've got to keep trying and i think we all just have to keep trying and you know not not just for women 
you know, I think, you know, gender balance still got a long way to go, but, you know, diversity more broadly. I mean, everybody knows that we, we, we've got to do more in, in the media because we need to tell stories that reflect readers across the country, um, not just one kind of reader. Um, so it's an ongoing battle, really. And are you doing anything specific around that um, for the Mirror specifically about getting more underrepresented communities in in the content? Yeah, we've got um, uh, well, there's we've we've got somebody who uh, Linda Moyo, who um, was one of one of our regional titles, who is now our head of emerging content, who's focused very much on um, trying to create and uh, uh, brief people to do content from communities that have been previously underrepresented. Uh, and we've got reporters and we have regular sort of monthly brand sessions where all members of staff can appear and then we just uh, can come along and we discuss things that we think we've done well and things that we think we've done badly and how we could make them better. So we do try and keep it as an ongoing conversation and sometimes we make progress and sometimes we don't. And I think my sort of great learning around diversity and inclusion has been that y- your first acceptance is it is not easy and you're not going to get there um you it's really hard work and you you've got to keep you've got to keep trying and you can't just do it and say well that's done because it's never done um and it's trying to get people to come with you on that journey and to see the benefits and how you can be a better place you can be a you can be a better person you can operate in a better environment you can create better content you can have better wider more diverse readers because you are serving them better it's about trying to be better but as we all know in every aspect of our life trying to be better is hard relentless work look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So, as you know, we say inclusion is an action. Um, and we ask all our guests to give us one final tip or one piece of inclusive action that you'd like to share with our listeners. Um, I think, oh, this sounds probably a bit airy-fairy, but I would say, like, <laughs> just don't, I think the thing, it, don't give up and, and embrace the difficultness. So I think sometimes... I know I'm guilty of this. When sometimes things feel too difficult, you think, oh, I don't know what to do about that. And, but that's really not going to help. So you have to embrace the fact that it's difficult and you're, or not, not difficult, but that, you know, it's not, it's not easy, put it that way. It's not easy. And it's sometimes, you know, and sometimes you're, you're, um, but just try and keep, focused on what you're trying to achieve and why you need to get there i don't think that's airy or fairy i thought that was really good (laughs) awesome um thank you so much for joining us international women's day um and some great research lots for us to kind of go away and read um those that are listening yeah thank you for coming in and sharing all the stories um that you have and good luck on this international women's day with your research thank you happy international women's day 
Happy International Women's Day. I don't like that. <laughs> it's not like you. <laughs> yeah. Happy, Happy International Women's Day. I'm not sure you should say Happy International Women's Day. It's just, I don't know whether it's something that you should say. But people do, don't they? Yeah. So. Uh, right so drop. Right, right back at you then. That was a mood, that was a mood killer. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no, it's good because it's good that there is a day that recognises that there is still a lot of work to be done to ensure um, not only a gender balance, but to try and reduce the amount of misogyny that there is in the world. And as yep. we saw from that research that um, Reach and women in journalism have sort of undertaken and have launched their findings that actually, you know, there's three quarters of people who responded to that research have experienced like a threat or a mm. challenge to their safety from a member of the public just during the course of their work, which, you mm. know, it would, would ask me if I was, you know, if I had my time again, well, I would think, you know, would I go into that sort of industry if there was a really high likelihood of me being threatened just for doing my job? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, as parents and carers are talking to their kids about the future, would you want to encourage your daughter to be, or or child more generally, to mm. get into journalism? Or, or different way of thinking about it, a lot of women take um sort of different uh journeys in their careers and it might mm. be that after a career ba- break or, or not even a career break but you know that once you decide on a career when you're younger it doesn't mean that you have to stick in it uh, forever and we're seeing a lot of discussion at the moment about older workers mm. and getting them back in the workforce you know why would they want to go into journalism if they're women and um, you know whatever age they are yeah, I think the big thing that stood out for me is a quarter of participants said that they'd experienced some kind of sexual harassment or mm-hmm. sexual violence in connection to their work. And having spoken just kind of in passing to friends, colleagues, acquaintances about that in itself, the amount of my of women in my circle that have talked about actually they get really unsolicited things on social media it's part of a much bigger problem i think yes yeah i agree i mean just anecdotally since we created our own um insta account on dni spy yeah there are just like really unnecessary like the messages that we get it's like yeah, I mean, I've learned a whole new world of social media. <laughs> but, but you can, you know, we, we laugh about it and that. But actually, it's it can be, you know, we're sort of hardy enough, you know, at the moment. But it doesn't mean that you know, there is a time when you just look at it and think, oh, my God, that's horrendous. Yeah, I um, I think the other thing for me, apart from being sat with Alison Phillips and mm. trying to feel very relaxed about it, um, a little bit of... Um, What's the word? You're fangirling. A little bit of a fangirl moment. Um, oh, what was I saying? See, look, <laughs> brain, brain's gone. Um, top tip around um, embracing those more like those difficult moments, mm. and that actually the journey around inclusion is never easy. Mm. And I think to hear someone like Alison, and that that was where I was going. <laughs> but to hear someone, you know, Alison's got a a, a, a very senior role long career of 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 doing great things actually saying do you know what not every day is easy this isn't an easy fix but actually it's about perseverance and i think we we probably find that in our jobs um 
but that's encouraging that someone at that level is saying, you know, it isn't going to be easy, but we have to persevere. Yeah, you're right. And in, in the DNI landscape, you know, there's lots of talk all the time about that, you know, we've got these huge mountains to climb, we have closed doors, I'm mixing my metaphors, but, mm. um, and it's nice to have somebody who's not in the field, who's actually, you know, in industry mm. saying that that they realise that it's important and it's difficult, but they're still going to do it. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So a great a great episode for International Women's Day. Happy Whilst International Women's Day. You are so insincere. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, lots and lots of lots of great things to um, to take away from the research, and I think there's going to be potentially loads more to come. Um, Alison referenced Dr. Rebecca Whittington. That's correct. We're going to do a magnified episode with Rebecca later on um, in the series. Mm. Look forward to it. Mm -hmm. Any questions uh, anyone has, please pop them across to us before um, take a look at the research and then um, we will ask your questions. Um, And don't forget, do subscribe, do review and let us know what you think of our little podcast called DNI Spy. You can find us on Twitter. Our handles are in the show notes below. And if you've liked what you've heard, please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to get new episodes automatically. Thanks for listening.